What's up, everybody? James Lawrence, Iron Cowboy here with my guy, Ty Rout. How are you, man? My man. So good. Good to see you again, brother. You look good. Dude, I always look good. Shit. <laughs> I always look good. Uh, man, you, you just got back from Mexico. Ha- yeah. Had an, had an experience there that we may or may not touch on. But yeah, just always... Experience always out there having experiences, living life, learning, growing, adapting, evolving. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's the point of life, right? Like, we want to grow and learn. And, and I'm actually super excited for the guest we've got on today. Um, I'm going to do a quick intro of him. Uh, well, just first, I want to say this. Um, I love when Tyrell brings on a guest because um, I know nothing about the people, the circle that Tyrell lives in. And he lives in the <laughs> military warped <laughs> world of, like, macho dudes and and every time I they come on, I'm like, dude, I am the, the least tough person in the room. <laughs> and so I'm always super excited. And so no research has been done, full disclosure. Like, I like to sit and be exposed in the moment for the first time and just, like, get real reactions about somebody's journey. And then we kind of do a little bit of a deep dive. So, Tyrell, introduce the man. Let me uh, let me introduce everyone to my my dear friend. We we actually met under kind of rough circumstances. <laughs> um a little tough we may we may get into that um but this is literally if you took superman and mixed him with chuck norris <laughs> hey Jill. Tash, how you doing brother good how you doing so good what yeah how are you i'm good i'm good i'm good just been busy building a house oh that'll that'll Pain test in the ass that'll test anybody's either like wits or if you're in a relationship it'll absolutely test that <laughs> You're getting you're getting close though, right? Like you're. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're like days, probably like ten days at the most. Yeah. Yes. Are the kids excited? Oh yeah, everybody excited. Yeah. They're over there picking out rooms and everything. Oh yeah, everything's all picked out. Well, we live next door to it, so we're, it's like all day going back and forth. <laughs> yeah. I don't, awesome. I don't know if that makes it go by faster or slower, having to like every nail get hammered in. <laughs> yeah. Probably slower. Yeah, it's like Christmas. <laughs> So, brother, um, obviously, welcome to the Grit Show. So excited to have you here. Um, the series Thanks. back, um, Navy SEAL. Um, yep. Your background. Um, kind of love to hear some of your your uh, military experiences, and then and kind of the evolution to where you're at now. You've had a couple pretty crazy companies. You had a company that, I mean, yeah, was was a Warrior Apparel. What was it called? No, it was Project Warpath. Right, Project Warpath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, now we got a uh, Warpath Coffee. That's the new one. Yeah, so I'd kind of love to get into to both of that. So maybe just uh, start from the beginning, man. How did uh, like where'd you grow up? What did you uh, kind of- grew up in Southern California, and then um, joined the Navy. I think twenty, twenty one, somewhere twenty. I think twenty, and then um, just went straight. Got in the pipeline, went straight to Buds. Had a boot camp, went straight through Buds, and went to the teams. Got to SEAL Team Five. Stayed there about nine years so did about 10 years total in the military at the end and then um i was in for 9 11 and all that so um hopped right in the war like right when it started yeah you were in the thick of it oh yeah and then uh did that for a little while then when i when we're in iraq um started working with the agency so i got out and started doing the contracting stuff started working for the different government agencies and stuff did some like mercenary work i was bouncing around all over the place so was it busy in the war from like 01 till the end of 2013 what what does mercenary work mean uh it's just basically you're not affiliated with the government you're just working doing private like 
private contracting, but we're doing, you know, missions and stuff. So there, but there's nobody coming to get you. Like, no, well, yeah, because we, we work, you know, we, we work deals and stuff. So we had like, um, we had support and stuff, but it wasn't like a full sanctioned government thing. What made you want to go into the military? Like, was it, was that something you always wanted to do or? Oh yeah. I wanted to do it since I was a kid. I wanted to be a Navy SEAL since I was a kid. Really? What, yeah, what, so then I went and did it. What sparked that? Um, I used to have, you know, he's had all these, back in the day before the internet, we had all the encyclopedias. And I had a, I had a gun encyclopedia and had some pictures of some Navy SEALs in Vietnam, you know, barefoot with Levi's on and do rags on their head and fa- faces painted green. I was like, Oh, that looks cool. I want to go do that. <laughs> so that, that was literally it. That's what sparked it. Like, so James and I have this conversation all the time and, and Dan Sorello, our dear friend who's, who's passed away. He was actually on our podcast was, was buds. Was it super hard for you? Was it kind of what you expected? It was, it was what I expected. I, um, with a recruiter, you can do a tour like, you know, cause I was in Southern California. So I went down to the buds compound in Coronado and did a tour with a recruiter and got all the workout packets and I did all my homework. And then I, I trained for probably like three, four years. Um, I was getting ready for it. So when I showed up, I was physically fit and mentally prepared. And then when, in, in, uh, when I was going to, I, w- I went to Corman a school. So when I did that at a great lakes in the mornings, we'd work out with the seal team guys uh, i was pretty i was pretty well prepared for it and it was gonna it was coming so yeah i think that's a, a beautiful lesson in life like buds is considered one of the hardest physical mental challenges they try to like weed you out on mm-hmm. and but it was easy because you showed up prepared yeah yeah i remember uh in in first phase i was room i was roommates with these two guys that they had already been through buds and washed out and they're they're like Oh yeah, you don't know what you're getting into, blah blah blah, like this and that. At the end of the hell week, I was like, "What happened to these guys? They're gone." <laughs> <laughs> Lack of pepper. Yep. I say results are a direct reflection of our ability to prepare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you when you got into the teams, what was your? So you you obviously went to. Were you a medic? In the team? I was in the, when through a school because that's how. Um, Oh, there's a program it's called die fair program where you can it's basically a pipeline directly into buds you go you know boot camp the corman a school then to buds because they at that time they needed corman but in buds uh and the third phase out on the island i was i got to shoot the m60 a lot and i was like oh this is badass you know i want to be a machine gunner this and that and uh they they actually let me cross rate out of being a corman right before i went to the team so i cross rated out of it and uh i didn't have to do it because there's guys, there's inst- the instructors are like, yeah, if you, if you're a corpsman, you know, a medic, then you never get that medical pack off your back. You're going to be stuck doing medical all the time. It sucks, blah, blah, blah. So I was able to get out of it, which was just luck. I was the first, they said I was the first guy that they let cross right out of it in like almost a decade. <laughs> so, so you switched up your uh, medical pack for a, a 60 pound rifle. Yeah. Yep. For M60. How much does that thing weigh with all the ammunition? I think the, the gun was like 21 pounds. And then I don't remember how much ammo it was. It's like, I think it's seven pounds per every hundred rounds. 
So I usually carried minimum 600 rounds, sometimes like up to 1,200 rounds. Holy cow. <laughs> Holy yeah. like carrying 60 pounds around. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were rolling heavy back then. <laughs> <laughs> so was there uh, – like you were, you were in the thick of it. Was there, were there any times where you were like, okay, this is it. Like I'm, I'm not, um, not like this is it, but I mean, there were some, there's definitely a lot, lots of close calls. And, um, you know, at that time I was like, I didn't even really care. You know, it was like, I was so gung ho. Let's just get it on. And then, um, probably the worst part was worrying about, uh, that the roadside bombs, IEDs going off, you know, cause we got in the middle of the night and drive to, targets all around Baghdad and guys from other units they were out there to get blown up sometimes driving under the overpasses and then there's times like uh I remember driving up to a target pretty close and we're just idling in at the last like 100 yards trying to sneak in and um we had a sniper shooting at us and you could hear the rounds cracking like right sound like it was like like right over our heads like it was close I mean I don't know there's all kinds of stuff like that but not like anything crazy. Like, okay, this is the last stand. Wait, he's like, oh, the ammunition is exploding behind my head. Nothing. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think your perception of, of things shifts as you yeah. neck deep into it. And I'm always fascinated by, you know, perception and reality and, and what the new normal becomes. And, and I think it goes without saying, thank you for your, your service. And I, I dare say the general population doesn't have a clue um, the enormity of the job that you guys have. And, and I mean, you guys, do you, do you feel unthanked uh, for the service that you've done? No, no. I mean, I, I felt like, uh, no, cause everybody's, you know, these days, thank you for your service, blah, blah, blah. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I feel totally uh, like everybody's grateful. Good man. And I'm grateful too. That I got to go do it because you know is what I wanted to do since I was a kid. Then I got to actually go do it for real. Because when I got in, there's a lot of guys that they're in the 80s and 90s, and they just spent their whole career doing training. You know, they never got to do the real world stuff. So I got to I got to do a good bit of it. So uh, it was really cool. Glad I got to got to, glad I actually got to do the job, not just train. How many deployments did you go on? Um, over to the war zones, I went over 16 times, but that was between military and contracting so it was like i was going back and forth all the time like i was pretty much addicted to it i didn't i didn't even like being home at that time i just wanted to go back over as quick as possible so any way i could figure it out i'd go back over i loved it because it was like i said it was is the job that you know i always wanted to do and i actually got to do it for real so i wanted to take advantage of it because <clears throat> at the beginning of the war right after 9 11 we we're supposed to go to Pakistan and then we got stuck on a ship off the coast. We we're supposed to go to Afghanistan. We got ship stuck off a ship on a ship off the coast of Pakistan, um, looking for bin Laden's son out on his, he was supposed to go be on a cargo ship going to Somalia. So we're stuck out there wasting like months away. Well, guys are in Afghanistan. I remember getting home after that trip and I was like, Oh man, we missed the war. It's over. Like that sucks. Like, you know, so. another 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But we literally thought we're like, oh, that's it. We missed it. It's done. <laughs> so was there was there any part like did you prefer like when you were in the teams or like the CIA part or um or was it just kind of the same? No, it's different. It's it really different, but 
you know, it's like the, the grass is always greener on the other side. So there's parts of the teams that are better parts of the agency stuff, you know, both, both have their pros and cons. So tell me your, tell me your, uh, your, your best funny story. Oh man. I don't even know. That made you laugh that you're, I got to think for a second. This will, this will spark your memory. I remember Dan telling me a story. They were, they were going in on a target and they're, they had to t- clear like the top floor. Uh-huh. And our our friend Dan was not the tallest guy. Tate, <laughs> giant. Dan was not. And uh, they're, they got their nods on and they, they come up on the top of the building and they can see like gun barrels poking out of this little, little room on the top of the building and they're running across and bombs are going off and all kinds of other crap. And, his two guys on either side of him just get completely wiped out. And he's like, in his mind, he's like, Oh my gosh, my buddy's just got killed. And he's crying. And he runs over and kicks the door in and the room is vacant. It was a broom sticking out of the window <laughs> and his buddies had hit a clothesline. And so they were running across the rooftop, hit a clothesline, wiped them out. <laughs> oh, nice. And they're like, what the hell's wrong with you? And he's like, nothing. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> oh man. Here, here's a funny one. Here's a funny rooftop story. Um, you know, you know, Drago is right. He just wrote a book. Has, has he been on your podcast yet? Oh, yeah, we'll get him. Oh yeah. You need to get him on. <laughs> Drago and I, we're, we're hitting a house one night and uh, Drago and I are both carrying machine guns. We're up on the roof. So he fast, we fast rope onto the roof of this house. Uh, I think it was out in Ramadi and um, I got my M60 on and I have it slung. I usually don't, I usually don't keep the sling on. I just have it slung up for, so, you know, when I'm fast roping, cause I got both hands on the rope. So I'm trying to get the sling off and I just hit the, my feet just hit the roof and we're up on the roof of this target. There's like a helicopter landing in front of the front door and they're about to breach the front door. I'm trying to get my, the sling off and the fling like wraps around my night vision goggles. And I flip my night vision goggles up. My machine guns like stuck laying across the top of my helmet. I'd like unbuckle my helmet and take it all off. <laughs> I was like, I like, hope the guys in the gunship aren't don't watching this. Like, who is this idiot down here? Can't get his gun off. <laughs> we were laughing our asses off though you do you serve with drago quite a bit oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. yep Dude, yeah we were in iraq together in the early days his story is yeah. me like I just... oh yeah yeah he's awesome he's a badass yeah that's I, I talk to him all the time he's um he started a foundation it's called the navy seals fund it's a 501c3 and then i'm one of the officers i'm on there with him but everybody's volunteers so we don't nobody gets a penny so like 99 percent of the funds go to the guys that need it yeah that's amazing yeah yeah because all these other foundations you know everybody's pulling six-figure salaries and this and that and you know hardly any of the money goes to the guys so um when you transitioned out of the military was that transition hard for you or was it i mean that's the one thing Tej, i've always admired about you is it's like you want to do something you just do it like <laughs> I think so many people get like paralysis by analysis. Oh, really? Yeah. That was yeah. the successful business that you, you, you did. And now you're getting into coffee. What was that business? Oh, that was, um, you're talking about the t-shirts project Warpath. Yeah. But I mean, that was like years after I got out when I first got out, I just got out cause I wanted to do the contracting stuff. So, um, I don't think it was no, cause I had it all, I had everything laid out, lined up before I got out. So got out I did like some I worked at a training job for like almost a year we're teaching uh shipboarding as and then um yeah it was good pay it was like a six-figure pay but then I got bored so um 
and then I I got out because I wanted to go go back overseas with the agency. Then I don't know somehow I got sidetracked and started doing this training job. I think it was good pay and it was local. But then I was like, I'm out of here, and I uh, started working with, for the agency and and then I was doing the contracting stuff for several years. And then for a while I was just bouncing around from different contracts. Cause there's at that time, it was like during the height of the war and there's so many different contracts you could work on. They're all very similar, but um, I did that. I bounced around a bunch of different contracts. And then in 2016 is when I started the t-shirt company during the election. Cause the, uh, the, the two team guys, um, Ty Woods and Glenn Doherty, they're, they were killed in Benghazi. They're, good buddies of mine so we created this hillary clinton killed my friends t-shirt and i went on for that yeah boxing friends and like glenn beck and all these different shows and um next thing you know it was like blown up and i was like shit i guess i gotta start a t-shirt company and and then i i I ran it for a while but it was always just like a little a fun thing a side hustle and um i did that i just had it on the side i was just making the shirts and at first it took off a lot because, you know, I went on the news shows and then it slowed down and then the shirts would just trickle out. And and then I, um, I started running ads and hired a marketing company. And then at one point it was, it was cranking. I mean, we're, we're sometimes selling like 20, 30,000 shirts a month. It was nuts. And, but they, you know, they end up ban- banning me because I'm conservative and pro Trump and all that stuff. So we got we social media stuff, right? Yeah. All marketing was on social media at that time. So, shut down they they indefinitely suspended all our ad accounts and then they shadow banned us to the point where like nobody could find us you know people would say they'd type in the name of the company on instagram or facebook and it wouldn't even come up it was i think it would have been better if they would have just deleted me and i could have started from scratch but i was trying to piecemeal back together for a while and didn't work yeah that sucks i'm yeah i don't know (laughs) social media is what it is it's a great tool, but it can also be, like you said, you had such an amazing company and such a great livelihood around it. And then like one switch of the algorithm and you're just done. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You definitely um, can't be dependent on the big tech. Oh, it's, like then, any, it's like any news media outlet that's, it's, it has its built-in biases and whoever's paying the highest dollar is going to get ultimately what they want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So after, after they shut that down, is that when you started your project Warpath Coffee? Yeah, it's, it's just Warpath Coffee. Yep. Um, I started it about a year after that. I actually been wanting to do coffee for a while. And then I was like, well, maybe this is the time. So I found an awesome roaster. Then we started making coffee and, um, I tested it out on the t-shirt company before I shut it down and people liked it. So I just, I shut that down. So the two weren't mixed and then, um, now I'm just running the coffee. And how's that going? Where it's going you? good. Yeah, people, I mean, it's, we got like crazy reviews on it. People love it. It's really good coffee. I I, um, I created all the blends, you know, so you can drink them black. So I used to do intermittent fasting all the time. So I started getting into drinking black coffee. So I was like, I don't need all this crap in my coffee. So, but most of the coffee tastes like, that's why you got to put milk or sugar in it, you know, because it's bitter, sour and all that stuff. So and acidic so our coffee is like super smooth even the dark roast is smooth then we have some flavored coffees but um the coffee is really good people love it they just go to your website or you on amazon or how do they order 
you can order on Amazon or our website. Um, on Amazon, it's Warpath Coffee. And then our, our website is warpath.coffee. Or you can go warpathcoffee.com. We own them all. Um, so, so you mentioned there that you uh, dabbled or did um, intermittent fasting. Um, yep. Do it, don't do it. What's your take on it? There's a lot of information out there. It's super confusing. And uh, so what, what, what was your experience? Why did you do it? And what was your experience with it? And, and how long did you end up fasting for? Like, what was your protocol? Uh, I, I still do it. I just, I'm not like, um, I don't do it every day anymore, but I, I usually at least do like 12 hours. Um, but I mean, if I want to drop some weight and get heavy into it, I'd say I'd, I'd try to do 14 to 18 hours a day. And then like, I think it was about three years ago when I first learned about it, I was, I was like all in on it. So I used to do like, I try to do 18 hours a day of not eating anything and, you know, I just drink water. And, um, and then I would do one day a week. I would like on Sunday and Monday, I would do a 48 hour fast. So I lost like 30 pounds in a seven month period. I felt good. Yeah. I think anybody loses 30 pounds if you stop eating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I do the carnivore diet. I just eat strict meat. <laughs> so you'll love this story, James. I was, I was talking to Tej and he was telling me, I think it was, you're talking about winter, like winter war school or something. And Oh yeah. He's like, man, I loved it because I would get so jacked. He's like, we're up there eating like sticks of butter and yeah, keto. <laughs> so they're up yeah. there, basically a keto diet. And yeah. he's like, he's like, dude, check out my six pack, man. I'm ripped. <laughs> yeah, it was like keto before I even knew about keto because we go up there and uh, snowshoe out there for days at a time out in the mountains in Alaska. And the stuff one of the guys used to work up there he called it Gorp. It was like. uh we buy these huge summer sausages and chop them up and then cubes of uh, butter and chop up the butter and then um, a little bit of nuts, but it was mostly just meat and butter. And, you know, you're just munching on it all day long. We have like big Ziploc bags of it. <laughs> so we out there snowshoeing all day, just munching on meat and butter. And I remember getting back to the compound and uh, I went to go take a shower and I was like, ripped. I had no more fat on me. It's like gone. Cause we were, I think, I think we're on the, it was like a four or five day, snowshoe snowshoe we went on and i i was like full on ripped when we got back i was like oh, this is crazy so on the on the carnivore that you're doing now are you, are you do you supplement because you know i've heard when you're doing the carnivore you gotta like tail the snout kind of thing to get all the nutrients and benefits that you need from it no i don't i don't take anything just um just waste, yeah just meat and water and i eat tons of eggs and a little bit of butter but all, there's a there's a bunch of doctors that do it, and they say to, especially beef that has all the vitamins you need in it, you know, because animals eat the vegetables and then they process it for you, and all the the vitamins are in the meat. Actually, I do, do I feel great from this carnivore thing. I've been going to bed early, and I wake up like between five thirty and six every day, no alarm. I'm just like wide awake in the morning, and I have so much more energy and my um, mental clarity, and then. Same thing. I'm the fat is just melting off me. So you kind of went on like after the teams, like you really went on a, like a journey for, I don't know, maybe if you, if you don't mind touching on that. Yeah. Uh, but I know that sometimes like those military experiences can be pretty hard and, and you really went on a journey and have kind of done a little bit of everything. Um, yep. do, you, do you care kind of talking about that? Yeah. 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 So uh, I think, uh, is in 2017 um 
uh, a friend of mine, he was, he's struggling with like drugs and alcohol and all this. And I went over to check on him one weekend. He was like on a bender. And I was like, dude, I was like, I'm going to come over here one of these times and have to come get you out of the morgue. <laughs> That's what I was telling him. And he's like, oh, dude, I'm going down to Costa Rica on Monday. And I'm going to, you know, do these iboga and ayahuasca and all this, the plant medicines. And I was like, what the hell is that? You know? And um, I thought it was, I was like, whatever, that's more drugs. And then I started looking into it and um, started finding some cool stuff about the ayahuasca and the iboga and ibogaine and all this stuff. And my friend, he so he ended up going down there and um, he started getting all cleaned up and everything from doing all that stuff. And he's telling me all these stories, making it sound like some kind of supernatural medicine. And I was like, at first I was like, what? This sounds crazy. Then I, I started looking into it more and more and... Um, there's tons of stuff out there that say that. So I ended up down in Costa Rica, like a couple months later. And he told me to go see this guy who runs a, uh, like a yoga retreat where you can do ibogaine down there. And I happened to be like an hour away from it. So I went and saw the guy and he's like, Hey, yeah, I got a ayahuasca ceremony set up for you. You got to go see this shaman lady. I was like, all right. So my, my wife and kids are with me. So they, my wife drops me off at the shaman lady's house out in the middle of the jungle in Costa Rica, like just before sunset. And I had a uh, pretty crazy ayahuasca experience with this lady. Um, she was like, she was like almost like a witch doctor. Um, can you, can she you, had, can you explain to everybody what the, the, those terms are that you're saying? Yeah. The ayahuasca, the ayahuasca is a, they call it a, it's a plant. So it's two plants it's like a root and a, uh, a vine of one plant and a root of another from Peru. And they, they boil them into like a, like a stew, almost like a, and they keep boiling it until it's almost like a mud, like the consistency of mud. And then you drink it and it, um, it has DMT in it. And the other plant, the DMT, if you drink it, it just gets neutral, neutralized by your stomach acids. But the other one, the other plant, neutralize your stomach acid so it absorbs but it's <clears throat> it's a lot different than if like if you smoke dmt it's completely different it's a because it's like almost like a slow release like it lasts for hours and it's a lot more mellow than dmt but it's still pretty intense um we talked about like psychedelics like um hallucinogens like an lsd or mushrooms or things like that it's in the same i guess it's lumped in the same category but it's um, it's, it's a lot different. It's, and, and you do it in a, a ritualistic setting and, you know, you say your intentions and it's, it's more like a very, it's this very spiritual thing. It's not like, you know, you're in high school going to take some psychedelics and go with your friends and whatever is it's like a very spiritual, uh, ritualistic setting. So yeah, I did it. I did it with this lady. Like I said, she was like a witch doctor. She had like I, th I thought it was fake when I walked in there. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, this is like going to the circus or the go going to the carnival and get your palm right or something. That's what I was thinking. I was like, this. So, um, like she had, you know, feathers, crystals, like there was the Bible there, like Virgin Mary and like statues of frogs and incense and like the whole nine yards. So it was like, it was cause she's part of a, um, church in brazil that uses these medicines to worship god so it was like half witch doctor half 
uh, Catholic Christian, the, the way she rolls. So, um, it was pretty weird. And I did this like whole ceremony with her, you know, we'd do the tarot cards and, you know, um, we did this other stuff. It's called combo. It's a frog poison. And they, she would burnt holes in my back with, uh, incense. And then they put the frog poison on a popsicle stick and rub it in the, in the wound. And it, um, it flushes out your lymphatic system, makes you puke. And she gave me a whole bunch. And I remember I didn't puke, but like my whole body was turning red. Like you can see a wave of this, like the allergic reaction happening. You can see it like going across her skin and I didn't puke. And I remember her saying, Oh, this is going to be a long night. <laughs> Cause I didn't puke. <laughs> Cause it, it's, it's a, they say that one is physical and spiritual. So it cleans out your lymphatic system. And then they say, it, um, does spiritual cleansing too. But, um, I remember we did a bunch of it and I couldn't puke. And she was like, this is going to be a long night. <laughs> I remember her saying that. And uh, she put this other stuff that was called Sananga. It was like, it looked like chem light juice. It was this bright fluorescent yellow juice. And she put the drops into my eyes and it burned. Like I thought she put acid in my eyes. And she said it, it makes your, um, the visuals more like vivid, it, it, but even with your eyes closed. <laughs> So, which is crazy, right? But yeah, so I went to this whole, like, basically like a supernatural ceremony with her. And I remember thinking in the back of my mind, I was like, this is all bullshit. Why am I even here wasting my time? Like, blah, 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 thinking this stuff. And then, um, and that like an hour later, we, we drank the ayahuasca and it literally tastes like mud. Like it literally tastes like you're drinking mud <clears throat> and I waited like an hour and nothing happened. And then there was another guy there and he was same thing from that Santo Daime church. And he, he was like, Hey, you want another glass? And I was like, sure. Okay. So I drank another glass of it. And, and then another hour went by and I still didn't feel anything. So he's like, you want another glass? I was like, Hey, and then the shaman lady was like, no, don't give him any more. Cause knowing what I know now it's a lot so I ended up drinking three glasses of this stuff and by the on the third glass before I even got down my throat like the whole sky turned into sacred geometry like all the stars connected and I was like hallucinating like crazy and I was like what the hell and then I remember I like I had no control and it like sucked me out of my body and I was that was I guess that's that's the terrifying part is when you have no control and then it started um, showing me all this stuff. It was, it was a crazy journey. It was like an all night thing. And then a few hours into it, I remember I started puking my guts out. <laughs> I puked all night, just puked and puked and puked all night. And that was scary too. Cause it, the whole, it's like a, the, it's like a mix from being terrified and being shown beautiful things and being taught. It tells you messages. They call them downloads. Like, like you don't hear them and you're not reading them, but it's almost like telepathy in your mind is it's pretty crazy. So before that, like you were, I know we talked a little bit about this, but you were kind of struggling with some stuff, mm -hmm. but once you started like experiencing some of those plant-based medicines, like you really felt like it's, it helped straighten you out and help you get back kind of where, where you want to be. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, before that I was, um, 
well, I thought I was doing just fine. Like if you asked me, right, I would be like, yeah, I'm doing great. But I wasn't, you know, I was still at that time, I was still drinking alcohol and um, not that that's the worst thing in the world, but <clears throat> it wasn't good for me. And then um, I remember I had like, okay, real angry. At, like I had a real short fuse and then um, just like not leading a good family lifestyle, I'll say. And um, after I, that that I remember the first night I, I drank the ayahuasca it told me all sorts of stuff. It was it basically like almost did like a inventory of everything I'd done. It was like, you know, stop drinking, stop doing this, stop doing that, like blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, get with God, um, get close with your family, close with your children. Like it literally like laid out like bullet points of all this stuff I should stop doing and start doing. And, and, um, but it, at, at the first night I did, it was, it was like so overwhelming. It was so much at once. It was, you know, too much to process. I was, and I remember the next day I, I just went and sat at the beach and like chilled, which is the first time I haven't relaxed for a long time. I remember at the end of the night, the first night, um, after I was done puking my guts out all night and going back and forth to the bathroom, this, the guy it was from the Santa Domingue church. He's like, this lady had like a bed in her backyard with Palapa, like under the scars. We're like we're right way out in the middle of the jungle. And she's, he's like, Hey, you want to go lay on the Palapa bed? I was like, sure. And I remember I walked over there with him and he's like, lay down. He's like, relax. He's like, relax. And I was like, I don't know how to relax, but I, I think I wasn't even talking about sitting on the bed. I was talking about like my life. Like I didn't know how to relax. I was, you know, always going hundred miles an hour and high, strong. And then, that I remember that that part of it has always stuck with me because I was like I don't know how to relax, but I wasn't even talking about sitting on the bed. But the the whole, yeah, I mean, and then and then I ended up doing it a, a bunch more times that year. I did a I did it quite a few times. Um, I hooked up with a guy up in Southern California. He's a shaman, and my buddy sent me down there. His he lived in Malibu. We used to go up to his house in Malibu and do these ceremonies all the time. And I, I started bringing other SEAL team guys with me and you know, they, they're getting all the benefits out of it. And, um, by, by the end of that year, I was like, all right, I'm not drinking anymore. I'm not doing this. Like I'm changing my friends. Um, I'm only hanging out with my wife and kids. Like, I don't, I, I don't go out anymore. I don't go to parties. I don't go to bars. I don't do anything. Like literally it's like wife and kids. That's it. Like, and then I got with God, like my spirituality. So, I mean, I literally completely changed, I'd say, almost every aspect of my life since I started doing this stuff and definitely feel way better and so much happier. You know, I, I want to tell you, Tej, um, like, obviously it's one of the things I love about you. And I, I've talked to a couple of your buddies. Um, one of them told me that you were the scariest person he'd ever met. He's like the Tej Gill I knew. He's a, and so it's, it's hard for me to see because the Tej Gill I know is the family man. Yeah his kids like so james we were out together in iowa and uh we had a couple rough days together with dan past and the whatever the, the last night there was a big party um I, and i invite tage to come i'm like tage just come with us we're doing this big banquet it's a fundraiser and, and tage is like man i love you and i appreciate it but i'm gonna go i'm gonna go talk to my kids on the phone and talk to my wife and go to bed and i yeah touched i was like man like here's a man that knows what matters like you've and so I, I don't know. I just can't say enough good about you, man. Like I think oh, it's thanks. what you've been through and, but the changes you've made, those are hard changes. Oh yeah. I mean, like when I was younger, I mean, 
I remember like all we used to do is go to bars and you know party like chasing girls I was fighting it was like completely different lifestyle and that I, like that's all gone like I don't do any of that zero anymore so do you feel like it's something you do you continue to do it do you do it once a year or, or do you feel like I you... went I went down to the uh to Mexico the mission within I went there last summer I felt like I needed a tune-up but I haven't um I mean yeah I mean I, I'm I'm totally open for it I kind of I'm definitely um, probably due for another one sometime soon. I, I think it's, even if I don't like need it, like last time I felt like I was starting to get angry again and stuff. So I went down, went through the mission within their weekend thing. And um, I did that, the Ibogaine and the five MEO DMT. I had awesome. It was awesome. I had great results from it, but it, even if, you know, I'm not like, Oh, I'm getting angry and I need to go. Like, even if I just went for no reason, it, I think it's good anyways for, um, it's just good for you. I think it just makes you better all the way around. I, I wouldn't, I would never would have said that I would say this, but I 1000% agree. And I <laughs> don't know why it gets, um, I don't know. Like I've, I've met a bunch of military guys and, and other guys that have just went through trauma. And for some reason, therapy kind of gets a bad rap. Like if you're like, Oh, I'm in therapy, people think something wrong with you. And if you're like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm trying plant-based medicines to try to help straighten myself out. And I don't know why it gets that, that rap when it's all that stuff. I think any introspection, any growth is, is positive. Like, oh I, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think if you tell people you're going to go do psychedelics, I think you're going to be like, you know, walking around the woods in the middle of the night, tripping out or something. It's not like it, you know, it's like anything can be abused. Right. I mean, you can, anything you people get high on benadryl right so i think if you if you use it correctly you know you use it in a ritualistic setting and you set your intentions you got a you know you got a goal like you want to whatever get rid of your anger who knows whatever whatever reason you're there for you know it's i mean it's literally at that point it's medicine because it's healing you i've heard it's like 10 years of therapy in in a short session right or- few days and it completely uh, puts things into perspective what matters what doesn't matter uh makes you feel like you are, are capable of so much more and and just like creates an, a new level of understanding and perspective is is that accurate in your experience yeah absolutely um it's almost like doing a you know a reset like getting all the noise out of your mind and starting from scratch interesting yeah like all the whatever nonsense you're thinking about or worrying about it's run through your head. Like, especially like right after you do a ceremony for the the months after that, like you're, you can, I mean, you're, you can have silence in your mind. Literally. You're not just like, it gets you out of the rat race, gets you out of the matrix. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. You say that because, you know, I, I, I've, you know, I've been doing a speaking career for about 10 years now and, and just been, incredibly fortunate to speak in 50 countries around the world. And literally the number one thing that people say to me is like, how do I win the conversations in my head? And how do I get out of my own way? And how do I become more mentally tough? And, and I think, man, if this is a, if this is a route to what you just said, like I was able to sit in silence, like as crazy as that sounds like that's one of the largest obstacles that society now, because what's happening is all of that noise and all of that confusion is robbing us from having hope 
on our journey and it's clouding the 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 clarity that we all need in order to move forward with confidence and so i really appreciate you being vulnerable to, to share that because it, you know like tyrell says especially in, in the utah culture and community here it's like really probably frowned upon um, yeah an open conversation about it but i think it's because it's a lot misunderstood um and and when used in a controlled environment and in a setting where it's um spiritual and 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 ritualistic i, I think there's a lot of places for it and i think i think over time we're going to see that that shift uh, but like anything it, it takes a lot of time for it to become more normal i just actually finished watching a documentary on netflix i'm um, about this exact thing about um mushrooms and lsd and and ecstasy and all these you know things that how they came about trying to get them back um approved and the, the really good benefits under a, a controlled and supervised environment that and all the positives that it's that it's truly having so i'm glad that you got to have those experiences that are open to sharing about it because um, there could be a lot of benefits for people that are struggling and, and literally losing that battle and that conversation that they're having with themselves. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's literally medicine. The, the, the ayahuasca is from Peru. They, and I don't know if this is true, but I've been told that they've been doing these um, plant medicine ceremonies down there for like thousands of years. It's the ancient medicine to, heal yourself and you know open up your consciousness and it's amazing stuff it's not i mean i don't even think of it like a, a drug or anything like that it's it's like it's like a gateway to another world it literally um you go into other dimensions there's other you can communicate with other beings or something and then um i mean i had like very divine journeys where like the whole time was just talking to me about God and how to be a better person and, you know, teach my children about God. Like, I'll, and then that's the last thing you'd like, you talking about my SEAL team buddies from back in the day. That's probably the last thing those guys would hear me talking about. <laughs> They're like, what? But yeah, like at the beginning, like the first few ceremonies I did was, it was pretty brutal. Um, I was just puking my guts out and going through all the, crap I had in me but then the more I did the better it got it was like turned into like a a beautiful experience where it was like teaching me all this stuff and showing me how to be a better person so then the, you know finally started implementing that stuff but it, take, it takes a you got I mean it takes discipline right because you gotta do one of these ceremonies and it tells you all this stuff I mean most people are they don't change anything so you gotta you gotta actually implement the changes and do that well it's, it's like anything we live we live in a world of of youtube university and <laughs> you can go learn to do anything but how many people actually take the opportunity to, to do it like the united states has so much opportunity and you yeah. hear people saying man i got dealt the raw card i don't know no, dude you're just not taking action and yeah. so we know the way just because it's been shown to us doesn't mean that we're, we're going to do it so i actually love that that you just mentioned that that you have to take action even though it was like so clearly and beautifully painted out for you like you still had to change in, in actions that you were doing in your life. And, and you've changed in a, in a beautiful way because of it. So that that's so awesome. Yeah. You got to do the work. So, and, and then rule number one is you have to show up. We we were talking about winning. Um, one of the ayahuasca ceremonies were, were at my buddy's house in Malibu. There's like, there's probably like five other seals there. And, you know, we're all deep into the medicine. It's the middle of the night. we got, 
you wearing like a blindfold mask or laying on these little like mattress things on the ground and um i remember like i take my mask off and i got this idea in my head and uh, one of my buddies i was like dude i was like i know what we're supposed to be doing and he's like what i was like we gotta win everything and he's like what i was like we gotta win everything we do from now on i go we gotta win everything every day and he's like out of it he's like roger that win everything and he puts his mask back on and plays back down <laughs> and but we actually uh at project warpath we made a t-shirt it said win everything and that's where i got the idea from that t-shirt was from a ayahuasca ceremony like it just popped in my head you gotta start winning because i was like i was like we can't help other people unless we're winning so we have to win everything right now that way we can help other people <laughs> yeah I, I have a shirt i have a shirt that we sell it's, and it says it's called winning <laughs> okay yeah kind of the same thing like just yeah. go, go win at everything you do <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you can't, I mean, you can't help other people unless you're winning first, right? So um, correct me if I'm wrong, but like with the mission within, um, for military guys, if there's anybody out there that's listening, that you're you're struggling with anything that, that you want to try to explore this, isn't there kind of like some scholarships or that like they'll help get the military guys down there for no cost? Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's a bunch of different foundations like the Navy SEAL fund, the one I'm part of, we pay for guys to go for Navy SEALs. And then um, actually we're about to pay for a team guy's son to go down there. Cause he just, his son just overdosed on fentanyl last week. So he called me, he's like, Hey, you think we can get funding for my son to go? So um, I called and they said, yeah. So we, the Navy SEAL fund has a deal with the mission within they, you know, they, they get a discounted rate or whatever. And then, pay for it and then i think um sock f the special operations care foundation they pay for guys to go there there's a there's a couple other ones and um most of the ones i know about are for special operations guys but you know i think any veterans can go you just gotta contact the mission within or there's another one vets it's veterans exploring treatment solutions i think they, they used to be commingled with a mission within another they got their own program but either or you can contact either one and i mean it doesn't matter what part of the military and like they have ways to get it funded the treatment amazing and it's just a it, it's just a weekend thing so you show up to san diego on a friday then you get drive down to mexico on friday night and you do the ibogaine on friday then go sell saturday and then sunday morning you do the uh the five meo dmt which is a poison from the sonora desert toad you smoke the poison and it's like a one-two punch that clear it should clear out most stuff that you have going on yeah well that's amazing if you're open to it look it up we're going to put it in the show notes for you um especially those that are suffering from ptsd or any trauma in your life like i said i've heard it's 10 years of therapy over a weekend and, and oh yeah what about you tyrell <laughs> and i'll see not just military military trauma like so for me i had some some issues that i was that i was dealing with um tage was kind enough to kind of open up to me and and share his experiences with me and and uh, so I, I literally just got back and uh we're, we're kind of running out of time today but i really would like to maybe do another podcast just on my experiences and what i went through and so anybody that's out there um whatever you're dealing with um obviously look for help look, look for therapy if this is something you're interested in we'll definitely show it in throw it in the show notes but for me it was it was transformational. It was very spiritual. It was, 
one of the most spiritual experiences I've ever had. And I can't thank you enough, Tej, um, just for talking to me and, and getting me down there. It was, I was super nervous. It wasn't something I was comfortable doing, um, but I'm, I'm super glad I went. Like it was, it's made a massive difference in my life. Yeah. And then it'll like, you know, you just got back. So wait till the, the coming months, like it, it just keeps, it'll keep leaking out of you. You keep uh, remembering more stuff and, and then it, a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense now will make sense later. Then you'll probably, you'll probably end up going back again <laughs> or, or, you know, you know, going over to China, ayahuasca or something like that. Yeah, I'll go with you. <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you got a few good friends. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, Tage, great to meet you. And thanks for sharing your journey with us. I really appreciate it. And then, oh yeah. Everybody wants help. Um, where, where can people find you? Um, and where, you know, where can we find that coffee? I know you said it, but let's say it one more time and we'll put it. Oh, uh, Warpath coffee. It's a, the website's warpath.coffee. We've got the social media warpath coffee. And then my, uh, I'm on, uh, Instagram. It's Tage frog. And I think I'm on truth social too. Tage frog. It's just T E J T E J and then frog. Yep. Well, man, honestly, love you, brother. Super inspired by you. Thanks for, for everything you've done for our country and everything you've done for yeah. Lee and, and for your kids. You're you're an amazing man. Honored to know you. <laughs> All right. See you guys.